the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He doesn't see what's about to happen to him. All of a sudden, some stranger just walks up and starts rubbing mud in his eyes. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Cut it out. What's interesting to me is Jesus could have just commanded. He could have just spoken a word, and this man would have been healed and received his sight. But instead, he chose to use this method. He chose to put mud in this guy's eyes. There was a quicker, easier way for Jesus to heal this guy. But Jesus didn't choose the quicker, easier way to heal him. Sometimes the method God uses in your life will be uncomfortable. In fact, much of the time, the things he calls you to are hard. It's not going to make sense, and it will require a great deal of faith. As Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, Jesus' interaction with the blind man in John 9 was illogical from a human perspective. Jesus didn't have to rub mud on the man's eyes. He didn't need to ask him to walk so far to be healed. But these conditions required the man to exercise his faith. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 9 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. How do you look at those tragedies? How do you look at your afflictions? We can strip our gears trying to figure out why, and we never get that answer. We never get a satisfactory answer to that question. But the question we should be asking is not why, but what will God do? Yes, it's happened to you. Yes, it's happened to me, and it's awful, and it's terrible. And you you can't go back and change it. And you're never going to fully know why this side of heaven But that shouldn't be our focus. Our focus should be, what will God do now? What will God do now? What will he do? Our tragedies are an opportunity for God to reveal his works in us. Our tragedies are opportunities for God to reveal his works in us, to restore to us what was taken from us, to give us beauty for our ashes and the oil of joy for our mourning and the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We should be, we should be looking for the Lord, not, not looking back at what happened and analyzing that, but looking for the Lord with expectation, looking to the Lord with expectation to, to come and now do a work to do a work in our tragedy, to do a work in our affliction, that the works of God would be revealed in us, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Verse 4, he says, I I must work the works of him who sent me 
while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. Jesus was talking about his life here. Uh, you know, he's only about six months away from the cross at this point. And he, and he tells us here, we should work the works of God while it is day. The opportunity to serve God uh, will not last forever. And so while we have the opportunity, we should serve the Lord and do his work. Uh, you know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I'll just read it to you. Uh, but Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. You know, while, you, while you've got breath in your lungs, whatever work you're doing, do it with all of your might. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it commands us to redeem the time that we've been given. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's redeeming the time that he's been given while it's day until the night comes. Verse 5, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He's mentioned this before back in chapter 8, verse 12, that he's the the light of the world. Now watch what he does in verse 6 to heal this blind man. It's a pretty unusual method. I think it's probably the most unusual method uh, we find in the Gospels. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with his saliva. Probably took a lot of saliva to make clay. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Uh, it's called sent because water was sent from the Gihon Springs through Hezekiah's tunnel to the pool of Siloam. So he sends him now to the pool called sent Siloam. And so he went. And he washed and he came back seeing. So I want you to try to picture this in your mind here. Uh, First of all, Jesus walked up to this blind man. He doesn't introduce himself. He doesn't say, I'm Jesus and I'm here to help you. He doesn't introduce himself. Uh, He doesn't ask permission to apply mud or clay to this blind man's eyes. He doesn't explain what he's going to do, or why he's doing this. He, he doesn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm about to put mud in your eyes, and I'm going to rub mud in your eyes, and then you're going to go down to the pool of Siloam, you're going to wash, and you're going to receive your sight, and you'll be able to see. He doesn't explain anything of what he's doing. Instead, try to picture this. Jesus just walked up to this blind man and started rubbing mud in his eyes. <laughs> I mean, think about that. No warning, no explanation. He just walks up and starts rubbing mud in the eyes of a blind man. Have you ever had dirt in your eyes or sand? Ever had a lot of dirt in your eyes? It's pretty uncomfortable, pretty painful, pretty irritable. And I'm sure for this poor blind man, obviously he doesn't, he doesn't see what's about to happen to him. All of a sudden, some stranger just walks up and starts rubbing mud in his eyes. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Cut it out. What's interesting to me is Jesus could have just commanded. He could have just spoken a word and this man would have been healed and received his sight. But instead, he chose to use this method. He chose to put mud in this guy's eyes. There was a quicker, easier way for Jesus to heal this guy. But Jesus didn't choose the quicker, easier way to heal him. And then Jesus said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He didn't take the man by the hand. 
as you would think you might do, and lead him down to the pool of Siloam and help him to wash his eyes, he just go to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes. Now, the distance from the temple, where the guy's probably sitting just outside that temple wall, down to the pool of Siloam, it's almost a half a mile. And it's a lot of steps, stone pavement. Remember, it is the Feast of Tabernacles. There's huge crowds of people in the city of Jerusalem at this time. The streets are packed with people. Not very easy for a blind man to navigate. And he's go to the Pool of Siloam, half a mile away, down that hill, through the busy streets, through the crowds, and wash your eyes. And, and notice, notice, look at the text. Jesus did not promise the man that he would be healed. He just said, go wash your eyes. And he doesn't say anything here about healing. Not interesting. Remember back in chapter 5, uh, the, the lame man that was by the pool of Bethesda, Jesus healed him. The pool of Bethesda is right next to the temple. It's right next door to the temple. It, it actually sits against the side of one, the one side of the temple was much closer than the pool of Siloam. It's much easier to get to than the pool of Siloam. But Jesus doesn't send him to the pool of Bethesda. He sends him farther away, more difficult to get to, all the way down to the pool of Siloam. And this man, this man obeyed Jesus. He obeyed him. You know, sometimes the method of Jesus, the method Jesus uses to work in our lives can be uncomfortable. It can be irritable. It can be painful, like, like mud in your eyes. And sometimes Jesus asks us to do something that is very difficult for us to do, like a blind man trying to get down to the pool of Siloam. And sometimes Jesus asks us to do something that is very difficult to do when there may be an easier way to do it, like going to the pool of Bethesda, that'd be a lot easier. Or just speaking a word and he's healed. Sometimes Jesus will ask us to do something that's harder instead of the easier thing. And in my experience, most of the time, <laughs> Jesus asks us to do the harder thing instead of the easier thing or the quicker fix. He asks us to do the harder thing instead of the easier thing. And this man obeyed Jesus. He obeyed Jesus with no promise of a miracle, no promise of a healing, no promise of anything. He just obeyed Jesus, even though it was uncomfortable for him and painful for him, even though it was difficult and there were other places he could go. There was another way which would have been easier for him. This blind man obeyed Jesus, and he went and he washed in the pool of Siloam. He made his way all the way down through that crowd, down those steps, all the way down to the pool of Siloam, almost a half a mile. And it says, look at the text again, verse 6 or verse 7. He went down and he washed, it says. Now, how long did that take? How long did it take him to make his way down all the way to the pool of Siloam as a blind man? going that half mile down all those steps and all of those stone pavements with the big crowds that he's got to work his way through. How long did it take him to get down there? How much time did he spend trying to wash all of that clay and dirt 
out of his eyes. You know how that works. You know how long that takes to get it all out of your eyes. Probably took him a good long while. And then notice at the end of the verse, it says, Then he came back seeing, came all the way back up to the temple after he was healed. He's worked his way all the way back up there. Now, this man, has he, he sees now for the first time in his life. Again, he was born blind. It's not that he had sight and then lost it, and now his sight has been restored. He's received sight for the first time. For the first time, he's seeing things. He's never seen anything before. He has lived his whole life in total darkness, and now his eyes are open for the first time, and he's able to see for the first time, and he makes his way all the way back up to the temple, to the southern steps probably, where Jesus had healed him. You know, I was doing some reading yesterday about people born blind today. And for some people that are born blind, uh, surgeons can actually perform a surgery that can uh, repair their eyes so that they are able to see. But here's what surgeons have discovered. Here's what surgeons have discovered. They have discovered that uh, it, it takes more than just repairing the eyes. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app, or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. It actually takes the brain several weeks or even months to be able to process all this new information that's coming in to the brain now through the eyes for someone who's born blind. The brain's just kind of overloaded with vision, and the brain doesn't know what to do with all of that. Uh, One of the articles I read described a person who has received sight for the first time through surgery. It's, It's similar to you sitting in a very, very dark room and then going out in the middle of the day in broad daylight and the bright sunshine. You know what that's like, just kind of the blinding light. You can't focus on anything. You can't really see. And they said the people that have this surgery, they're like that for months, for months, because it takes the brain a long time to figure out what to do with all of the new images that are coming in. Not only that, they've also learned that when people who are born blind have this surgical procedure and receive sight, they've also learned that, that, uh, that the brain has to learn depth, that the brain has to learn spatial relationships and dimensions, that when a person first receives their sight, that the brain sees everything in two dimensions, there's no third dimension. There's no depth to it. So they, everything is on the same plane for these people. So they can't tell what's near and what's far, what's close. They can't d- distinguish distance. This man, Jesus heals him. But he doesn't just heal his eyes. He enables his brain to be able to process vision now and to understand depth and distance 
and spatial relationships so that he made it back up those steps. So not just his eyes are repaired, his brain is enabled to be able to navigate through that back up to the temple. Now, the steps leading up to the temple, these steps would go all the way down to the Pool of Siloam. There's only this section really that's left today. But they're different widths. The treads are different widths. Some are really wide. Some are very narrow. And they did this by design. They did this on purpose. Why did they do this on purpose? Well, because in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says, walk prudently when you go to the house of the Lord. Walk prudently when you go to the house of the Lord. You weren't supposed to just run up into the house of the Lord like we can just run up a flight of steps because you're entering into the presence of God. You are to walk prudently into the house of the Lord. You're to walk carefully as you enter into the house of the Lord and approach God. And so what they did is that when they built the steps, they made them different widths so that you can't run up. You have to walk carefully into the house of the Lord. This guy navigated those steps. His sight is restored to him, is given to him for the first time in his life. And his brain is healed and his brain is enabled to make it up a bunch of steps that have different width treads. Isn't that amazing? Like, it, I mean, it's a true, total, complete healing. It's not like go wash in the pool of Siloam and wait six months and then you can come because then your eyesight will be fully uh, restored and then your brain will be able to process all of this new information it's received. No, instantly his brain was able to handle all of this new information and navigate depths and distance and spatial relationships never seeing before. Not only that, we mentioned the bad theology of the day. This man has lived his whole life believing that he was under God's judgment. So now the judgment of God has been lifted for him. And so I'm sure there was a spring in his step as he's heading up those stairs back towards the temple. And here's the great thing for us. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he, he, through his death on the cross, he removes all of our sin and he forgives us of all of our sins. And that burden, that shame, that guilt, that regret, all of that is lifted because you're forgiven. And not only that, the Bible tells us that we are all born blind, not physically blind, but spiritually blind. And Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he gives you eyes to see. Man, I once was blind, but now I see. He restores our sight to us. So now look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. So he goes back up to the temple, you know, maybe on those steps just outside the gate to the temple. Therefore, verse 8, therefore, the neighbors, the neighbors, who are his neighbors? Fellow beggars. (laughs) They were also stationed on those steps, begging with him. This is what they did, right, every day. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this who he who sat and begged? And some said, verse 9, well, this is he. Others said, well, he looks like him. And the man said, I am he. Isn't that funny? This guy had to convince people that he was the guy that was blind, that was there. No, it really is me. I was the guy. Yeah, it's me. It's me. No, it's really me. You know, therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus 
made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and washed. And so I went and washed and I received sight. And then they said to him, well, where is he? And he said, I don't know. I love this. I love this. His old friends and and neighbors that he used to beg with, they can see that something is different about this guy. They can see he's not blind anymore. Some people can't believe that it's him. That it's the same guy. They think it might be just a guy that looks like him, I guess. And, and, And when they ask him what happened to him, that his eyes were open, he said, a man named Jesus. Let me tell you what happened. What does he do? He just shares his story. This is what Jesus did. He put clay in my eyes, told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so I did. And now I see. Just the simple testimony. And I, I love this too because uh, for, for many of us, this is, this, is, this is our story. You know, I was blind, spiritually blind. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. When we were non-believers, we were blind. We are just spiritually blind. We are blind to uh, the things of God, the truth of God. We were blind to uh, the spiritual things in the world around us, good and evil and right and wrong. And then Jesus comes along one day And he opens our eyes. He gives us eyes that see. And and then what happened in your life? What happened in your life is people started noticing something different about you. Hey, what happened to you? What happened? Well, I got my eyesight. I can see. (laughs) How'd that happen? Jesus. It was just Jesus. Do you remember when you were a new believer? And you like knew no theology, right? You knew no doctrines. You know, you, you, you couldn't explain you know, salvation theologically. All you could say was, you know what? I, you know, I got down on my knees one night in my apartment with my wife when I was 26 years old and I prayed and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and I got up from that and I was different. I was born again. But I didn't know born again then. I didn't know that term when that happened to me. I just knew I was different. It was just Jesus, right? Remember when it was just Jesus? It was just, it was just, just Jesus came into my life. Opened my eyes. Jesus came into my life, forgave me of my sins. That was it. And that was all that we knew. And we weren't caught up in doctrine or theology or anything like that. It was just, it was just what Jesus did by his grace. And that's this guy's story. That's this guy's story. He doesn't know anything about Jesus other than his name and that this Jesus is the guy who restored and gave him his sight for the very first time. And listen, just in closing, Uh, Your afflictions and your tragedies set the stage for God to do great things. Don't spend all of your time looking back at what happened and spinning your wheels trying to figure out why it happened because you're not going to figure that out. Don't waste your suffering. See it as an opportunity for God to reveal his works in your life. But listen, his methods... His methods, well, they may be painful, they may be uncomfortable, they may be irritable. There may be easier ways, but his way, it may be difficult. But if you obey him, you will see the works of God revealed in your life. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truth. 
If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy, and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John, or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth.